Welcome to the Educate US podcast with your host, Nick Saveri, Dr. Stacy Schultz, and Dr. Patrice Fenton. Three former teachers and administrators talking about a wide range of topics happening in education. Time to educate us. Hello, everyone, wonderful listeners out there. So, we have been on this journey as we've been discussing uh, school as a compulsory um, experience in our country. And we have with us an amazing, talented, beautiful, just remarkable human being who I am just incredibly grateful has been able to join us today, Anashe Wright. Anashe, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Hey, hey, first of all, thank you all so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, my name is Anashe Wright. Um, on social media, I am Anashe Disrupts Wright, because who wants to disrupt wrong, right? That's no fun in that. Um, so I try to disrupt them, teach them, whatever, right? Um, that's W-R-I-G-H-T. I am a mother of two joyful, peaceful, powerful, brilliant Black children. I think that is the most important role, and that is a space in which I enter all places, um, everything that I do in this work. Uh, in addition to that, what pays the bill? Number one is my brain. Like I'm a nerd. I'm a black nerd, right? I love all things uh, related to the future. Um, I'm an educator first, you know, holistically, my company Disruptive Partners. Uh, we are an education and innovation firm, meaning we use education as a tool to enhance the quality of life, you know, for our students, for Black communities, um, but also for our leaders and teachers in the public education sector. Um, so I am an educator. I am a speaker. Um, I'm a truth teller. And uh, I'm excited to be here. On the trade to that end, you mentioned, you know, one of the chief roles that you play always, both as a parent and to the outside world as an educator. Take our audience just through that education journey. So in order to talk about where I am now, of course, I have to start, you know, in the beginning. Um, and I would say, uh, I'll say my mother was in the sixth grade and more recently, my uncle showed me one of her report cards. Um, and what it said was that Brenda was truly a disruptive student in class. And they used the word disruptive. Um, boy, talk about fast forward to what, my mid forties now. Um, I think my mother paved the way. Uh, I was about 12 years old when my mother stood me in the living room and made me recite a poem she wrote called Rules, Who Are They Made For? Uh, my mother wanted me to know at a very early age that I was powerful, right? And that I had a right to question anything, any policy um, that, that hurt humanity. And especially humanity starting within my own Black community of Decatur, Georgia, Metro Atlanta. Um, I think that was the beginning of everything. Uh, at 15, I was disrupted and I wouldn't say for good. Um, I, I found out that my mother was sick with cancer. Uh, she was a single mother. She had been divorced twice. Uh, and now in her thirties was dealing with uh, breast cancer um, on Medicaid, of course, uh, food stamps. I grew up flipping food stamps for fun. Um, you know, So my mother would say, hey, we need money to pay for bills. Uh, she would give me a hundred dollar book of food stamps. And I, she would say, you know, I need you to go and sell this for $7,500 so we can pay Georgia power. Well, I learned how to go and sell it for $8,500 on the dollar. I learned how to sell it for $8,500 on the dollar, pocket 10, you know, and still made sure uh, my mama had the 75. And so that is how I was always able to think, um, make a dollar out of 15 cents um, and to really just kind of thrive. 
in Atlanta, we have something called MARTA. I caught two buses, two trains to get all the way to La Vista Road to make about $3.95 an hour. Um, but the power in that was the critical thinking that it took to time leaving your house just right, the intervals, right? Like if I needed to be work at 11, I had to reverse engineer, uh, work backwards by design. And ironically at Disruptive Partners, that is what I am doing with K-12 systems, reverse engineering uh, and working backwards by design to build a better system. Um, Disruptive Partners, what we do, what we do at the core of our work is we work with dope leaders, just like the Stacys, the Patrices, the Knicks. We work, we, we work with superintendents um, and we really help them identify the current state of practices, um, the systems that are not serving students, teachers, families, or leaders well, and we build new ones. The disruption is in the design. Um, and that's what our framework is called, Disrupted by Design, where we take people through these steps. And at the end of the day, we create a more equitable and just system that serves people well. Absolutely. And we're going to actually expand on that a little bit, Anishé. Anishé, thank you for being here today. A dear, inspirational friend that I love so much. Um, on a recent episode, we were talking to school leaders about how they design their learning experience for the different educators in their community. Could you expand a little bit on um, Disrupted by Design and, and advice you have for those school leaders? Ooh, yeah. Um, I would say in anything, the first bit of advice I would give is number one, to disrupt yourself. Uh, the true disruption is self-disruption and it is a, a disruption or the interruption of our thinking. Um, and this is for everybody, right? Um, you know, you have to question the stories you've been told and sold by society. And so for leaders, like I, I can't stress enough to sit down, slow down, right? And really think about what is the story you're telling yourself about the students that you serve, not save. And I'll ask the, I, I'll say that again for the people in the back of the Zoom in the room, Shanana. What is the story you are telling yourself about the students, about the troublemakers, about the innovators, about the kids in those classrooms that are falling asleep on your lessons, the disengaged and disconnected students? What is the story you are telling yourself, right, about why you serve and not save? That question alone, I don't have to ask a lot of questions, right? Because the essence of this K-12 system, what it does is people come in wanting to save children, right? They say, oh, these poor little children, they're empty vessels and they need us. And quite honestly, if we're being real, the real people that need to be saved are the adults a lot of times. You know, things that aren't going well in their lives, right? And they, they need to come somewhere and feel a sense of gratification, right? Um, that's harmful, because ultimately by the end of 12th grade, we need to be setting every kid up to make 50K or more with or without a degree. We need to set the kids up because today's student, today's troublemaker is tomorrow's future innovator, right? And so we have to disrupt our thinking first because that allows us to get to the power. But if you can only see a child as a compliant learner, an empty vessel needing to be saved by these teachers, right? On top of the parent, right, who, not involved, right? Because you, you got to think about the K-12 system. It survives off of deficit. And if you can interrupt deficit and reroute that to what students can do, right? How do we shift from a student learner to a student leader? Then you are truly 50% of the way in improving outcomes 
for everybody at every level. So amazing. Um, and speaking of disrupting narratives, right, we want to shift into a topic that we know is near and dear to your heart and at the core of a lot of the work that you do, which is the student as CEO. So could you take a moment to explain to our listeners exactly what that means? So students as the CEO, right? Um, well, what do you think about, I'm going to flip that on you guys. Like if I had to ask you all a question, when you think about a CEO or an executive or a leader, like really quickly, just throw out two to three characteristics. What immediately comes to mind when you think of a CEO? Resourceful, yes. Uh, strong decision maker. Um, reliable. Compassionate. Problem solver. Great listener. Oh, they listen. Mm -hmm. What's like one of the biggest things any CEO has to do, right? Like when they listen, what do they do with that? Take action with the, with the people that, you know, alongside or with the people that they're either serving or working with, et cetera. That's absolutely it, right? And And that's what it is. That's what it means to me as well. And CEO, those three letters I play on, number one, self-leadership, right? What does it mean to be, to master your self-leader, right? The first leader is your self-leader. Before you can lead others, you have to lead yourselves. Um, and it's really about kids having the power, right? To really get clear and become the best versions of their future self. Um, it's really about making sure kids have the skills, the tools, the community, the network that they need, right? Um, that they can engage with one another. Um, it's really about the kid who can take charge of their own learning, their own development, their own thinking, set their own goals, and work hard to drive them and achieve them. Um, so that's what the student CEO model is about. It's not enough to go to classroom and to get standards, right? Like standards to me is just that standard. Um, I would never raise my kid to be standard. It's awkward. It's weird, but it's, you know, foundational. Um, but the CEO is my children are raised to think like a boss, um, to love like a boss, um, and to grow legacy like a boss, right? Like they're, they're responsible. The, the, the conundrum I found in that is that like my mother raised me, right, uh, at 12. Rules were they made for, right? Are we creating space for kids to question things that don't serve any of us well? Hell, like, I mean, compliance and control in schools, right? You are really making kids compliant learners. So when there is an emergency or innovation, they can't think because they are waiting for you to tell them what to do. I don't think I want that in our corporations, right? In our, like, our innovators, like our doctors. Like, I do not want a doctor that's sitting there waiting for somebody to come tell them what to do. I don't want my kid to be in a school shooting or anything or anything that, you know, and they're sitting there waiting for the, for the, uh, the button to go off and the drill uh, when there's an emergency. And so that's what it really is about is teaching kids to think like a leader, to engage like one, to listen like one, to love like one and to lead like one. And that is what the CEO mindset is all about. Because if we can get kids to shift from being compliant learners to student leaders of their lives, um, then we are starting to develop that mindset early on, which for me as an educator, when I started teaching third grade, day one, I was telling kids they had to do a creed. You know a true leader by the way they act and move through the world. There will be a strange force about them. They will lead by example and not by words. All 28 of my 38 of my third grade scholars memorized that within the first two weeks. 
And as a result, every instructional decision I made was based on what they could do. And it was driven by me believing that I am the coach and the instructor of leaders. So I need to align my behaviors and practices the same way. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. Honestly, to that end, at the start, you talked about, because as we think about students in that way, about leadership, you mentioned at the start, though, about systems that don't serve them, and you mentioned in disruption, looking at schools or working with schools to question and, and, and break apart the systems that do not serve our students. Can you, if you don't mind, just take us through maybe yeah. some examples. Yeah, let's look at um, a micro system, right? Let's look at, uh, first of all, let's, let's define system, right? A system is really just parts that are connected, right? That repeat themselves. So like, you know, my children, you know, step one, they get out of bed. Step two, they say their prayers, their meditations, Step three, they better brush their teeth, right? They know nobody wants to talk to you with that, right? Step four, right? You know, um, go get breakfast. Step five, you're off to school. My point is we do systems and structures and, and behaviors. You can call them what you want to, whatever synonym of the week it is. Um, but there's steps and we do them religiously without thinking. Well, there lies the problem. When you do things religiously, you stop thinking. So let's take it to the K-12 system. Um, how does most decisions get made in a K-12 system. Hey, I'm a superintendent. I went to a conference and I heard this data about their problem in our system, right? So I'm running back to the district and I'm going to talk to the powers that be. It could be the board. It could be uh, school leaders, you know, principal managers, right? They're going and they're talking about this problem and asking them what they see in their schools. And then the principal manager runs to the school leader and says, hey, what do you see in the schools? And then they go to the teachers. And so there leaves two critical voices out of their own change. The kids and the parents. That's just one system. What system is that? That's a communication system that is inequitable. There is no system or structure to get directly to those most impacted. So how do you disrupt that? A CRM, right? Hey, superintendent, if you really want to know how people are experiencing, how your biggest consumers are experiencing this shit stuff you're selling every day in school, ask them. So that's where I kind of disrupted partners. I started designing a digital coach. And this coach <laughs> is affordable. It's called Coach Chance, named after my son. And it's a, a future pathway coach. Imagine a world where every kid in a district has a device and they get on Coach Chance and he's like, hey, what's up? What are your dreams, right? What are your, what's, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? When you graduate, how much money you want to make? And then we take that information and we give those insights to the, the teachers and the leaders. So there's where a gap lies in, right? Instead of going straight from a convention or a conference, right, to everybody else except for the kids, let's put systems and structures in place, leveraging technology to where we can get here from them. It might just be quarterly, but it's the intentionality and it's putting those systems and structures in place that actually serve everyone well. So Anisha, we're going to go on to that 
you know, you mentioned parents' voices are often silenced in the process of decision-making. And right now, right, in the news and the media, we're hearing a lot about how parents want to be involved. And in some states and districts, we're seeing parents are given even more control over decision-making around content, around books, et cetera. From your point of view, what do you think the parent involvement should look like uh, in schools? Let's prepare for that one, right? Uh, parental involvement in schools. Um, I truly, I fundamentally believe in uh, this mindset shift of seeing parents as as like this partner. Like parents are partners, right? It's like okay, we have to define that, but that's weird. It's awkward. Um, but the shift for me is seeing from seeing parents as partners um, to seeing parents as CEOs. Um, the parent CEO concept is I'm a mother, I'm that in, right? I'm a mother, I manage the house, right? Understanding that I have more than one kid, one in elementary, one in a senior in high school. Um, really it's about all of these facets that make parents dope, smart, brilliant, um, and probably your biggest co-conspire, co-conspirator in, in the public education space, right? Um, so number one, there has to be just an education through a lens of power. Um, number two, giving parents foundational understanding of per pupil spending. Like parents are the power and they're the plug. And there's a dollar amount that comes with every last one of our children, right? Um, so we can play this cute little game, you know, like this, like I don't need to be up at the school all the time to activate my power, uh, which is the last thing is you have to redefine and differentiate uh, what engagement involvement um, looks like for us. Um, I mean, just look at the four of us on this call. It's a lot of power. Oh, and by the way, we're parents, <laughs> right? So I think we have to disrupt this idea that parents are broken um, because we lead with everything about parental engagement and involvement um, is around this idea um, and, and, and I would say like, we just being real, when you define engagement, engagement is not one way communication. Engagement means that we actually learn from each other, right? We come into a setting and we walk away where I know more about you, you know more about me. And then there has to be another step after that. And so I would say for me, it is the fundamental shift of seeing parents as whatever the new word is involved I don't even know what they say I don't be paying no attention to that foolishness um but for me I'm a parent CEO I am responsible like even when the teacher doesn't follow my child I do so if you know like I know you better have some continuous quality engagement and improvement with me right because I'm, I'm I'm the best thing you got you know what I'm, saying? I'm the expert on my child right you know you guys do your instructional standards and your academic rigor 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 grapple with text and whatever jargon we're talking about now <laughs> I mean you know right and I'll be the boss of my kids because whether you like it or not that parent is sending the best version of their child to school and you don't get a right to judge a parent you know whatever that parent sends to school you close your mouth you do what you build on it right and you send that child home better than when they came in more joyful you know with a little bit more knowledge right a little more hope that is what the role is um but let's not like put some respect on our name as parents because we are the plug i love it um so 
we're going to head towards wrapping up. We have one more question for you. Um, just kind of like thinking about just the amalgamation of all the things that you are representing in the education space, primarily as a mother, um, as a community-centered person in Decatur. Um, what is your vision for the future of school? Also on understanding that you are moving into this AI space, have been a vanguard for AI for some time now. Um, you're a disruptor, just all the many things that you represent when you take up any space. What is your vision for what the future of school should be? That's a good one. Um, I can't speak to the future of school. So I, I guess it's hard for me to answer it that way. So what should the, like, what should kids graduate with is probably what drives it. And I think I work backwards into the different types of schools. The school okay. is like differentiated based on the ultimate destination. Yep. I think in order for me to best answer this, I would have to share with you all in closing a few words. Um, my son and I, so number one, we got to create spaces for parents and kids to dream big because what's happening right now in this parental involvement and engagement space, um, and I want to give a shout out to National Parent Union, um, to Carrie Rodriguez. Um, I serve on the board for the National Parent Union, and it's such an honor and a privilege to just see dope, amazing, powerful um, parents, right, um, as leaders in this space. I, I, for me, number one, there should be annual strategic planning retreats with families. Just like any corporate leader, again, the CEO effect, right? Like when you get them in a room and you have them vision set, like when you guys close your eyes and think about your child graduating, it's the year after they graduate. What is it that we see and hear that lets us know that our children are well? That was what drove me. And so my son and I spent 90 minutes doing that together ourselves. And we came up with, this vision that I will share just a snippet with you. Um, when I close my eyes and dream of years beyond K-12, I see a young black man influencing change, thriving and doing well. You see the year is 2028, six figure impact, age 23. My son is on Forbes 30 under 30. And no, it wasn't the degree. It wasn't grade level standards, which is always kind of odd to me. You see, because my children were never raised to be standard. They were raised to be a legacy. And quadratic formulas were fine, although there was never a real connection to the dreams he has of owning a home, starting a business, and investing. By age nine, we ensured that our son had a vision that grew well into his teens. By age 15, it manifested. And no, it was no easy thing. It goes on and on, but I would say the first part is about a parent and their child coming together and getting clear. And, and you gotta instill a little bit. No kid wakes up saying Forbes 30 under 30, but I tell everybody, start there. Spend some time looking and seeing what the common traits and characteristics are and we get back to that student CEO model. And no, we don't want every kid to be on Forbes 30 under 30, right? But it's the idea that if they wanted to, they could. They could generate wealth, right? They know how to weaponize literacy as a tool of empowerment right? Um, they're not compliant learners, they're leaders. Because if we all did this, we, we could definitely create a world, a society that is the one that we have all been dreaming on. Just every time I sit with you, I'm like my, the, the, the head explosion emoji, just, I mean, 
Anisha, you're amazing. You really, really are. I really can't uh, overstate it. We appreciate you so very much. And I'm just so grateful that I get to share space with you in all these different ways. Um, yeah. just, you're, you're just a tremendous force. I'm just really grateful to know you, honestly. Um, we'd like to invite our guests to share with our listeners where they can keep in touch with you and keep track of the amazing work that you're doing. So please share your socials, your your organizations. How can people keep uh, keep track of the amazing work that you're doing? Absolutely. It's simple at Anashe Disrupts. That's A-N-A-S-H-A-Y Disrupts. I'm a little old school, so I love Facebook still. Don't don't judge me. Um, I'm working on Instagram. Um, I'm on Twitter. I have like a hundred people follow me on Twitter. It's not real, but um, and I have TikTok, but I think um those places, and then I think, you know, to really engage with the work that I do, LinkedIn is really good. Just a DM. Um, I still manage you know, my LinkedIn page, my IG and my Facebook pages, right? Um, so I still personally um, respond to those. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, if, if people are interested in, in my trainings and workshops that really better help them better understand who today's student generation is, um, if they're interested in, in keynotes, speaking, um, you know, follow me. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I would just love to, to partner and disrupt for good. Thank you for listening to the Educate Us podcast. Subscribe to the show, available wherever you listen to podcasts. And please, please, please leave us a review or comment wherever you can. We want to hear from you. If you have a question, comment, or just want to be part of the conversation, email us at theeducateusshow at gmail.com. This has been a production of Leon Media Network. I'm Nick Saveri. I'm Patrice Benton. And I'm Stacey Schultz. We'll see you next time.